Hello and welcome to this Endo Life episode 32. I'm Jessica Duffin and this podcast is all about living and thriving with endometriosis. Today is my first solo show and I'm pretty nervous about it so please bear with me while I try to get the ropes of yeah recording a solo show um um usually when I you know when I'm talking about endometriosis and the way that I manage it most of the time it's written so I am able to really think everything through and though I've like made pretty extensive notes on all of the solo shows um it's difficult to vet yourself as much when you're talking into a mic especially as I don't find talking into a mic natural like it it still feels quite unusual to me so um yeah I'm always kind of overthinking and kind of going a bit too fast and so yeah I guess I'm going to be more prone to mistakes is what I'm saying and please like yeah bear with me whilst I get used to it before we get started with today's show though I want to thank my sponsors today's episode is sponsored by BU period patches um I oh gosh they saved me at the weekend actually um so interestingly I feel like my period is teaching me new things all the time and um this month I was taking chaga mushroom which is um an anti-inflammatory and the slight cramping that I've been getting in my premenstrual phase which I think I told you guys about which I was saying was kind of more uncomfortable than the low level pain that I might sometimes get in the first couple of hours of my period that went but um usually that could be like four days long just like a low level kind of cramping that's just a bit annoying um but I got some kind of low level back pain and stuff before the day before my period and um BU period patches were there for me and I just wore them all day I was recording the podcast all day so I really didn't want to feel uncomfortable um and yeah, they they sorted me out. Um, and the next day I woke up at 5am with my period and I was a bit surprised because my my pain was kind of on a level four, which you guys know hasn't happened for at least, I mean, it might have been at that stage in January after Christmas because I always, you know, let myself eat within reason what I what I want at Christmas I I still do the endo diet but I do eat like a lot more sugar and you guys know that's my thing (laughs) so my pain was naturally worse in January so maybe that was a four but other than that I haven't experienced a level four for I don't know like 15 months or something um so that was surprising but I think it was probably because I was anxious because I was working at the endo march and I needed to give myself like a couple of hours to get there coming from Margate and stuff so maybe like stress just triggered um more pain so I was worried that that was going to continue so I put on my period patches and um and I was fine the rest of the day if you saw me I was running around and um I had a bit of a stiff back at the end of the walk but I kind of tend to get that anyway because of back problems um so yeah I was tired um but pain wise I was fine so I'm just so thankful that I had BU period patches and I gave a few away to people who needed them 
Um, so I, I, yeah, I love them and I'm so thankful that they are around to support people with endometriosis and painful periods. Um, the patches are hundred percent natural. They act like a plaster and, um, so you just stick them on your abdomen or your back and they release menthol and eucalyptus oil into the muscles and that reduces the cramping and therefore the pain. Um, you can get five per pack, um, and they're $6.99 for a one-off pack or $4.99 if you get um, a subscription. So if you'd like to check them out, just head to the link in my show notes and start soothing period cramps a natural way. This show is also supported today by Honor. Um, you might remember Honor um, being on the show, or Eleanor, the founder of Honor, um, on the show just, just a couple of episodes ago, talking about yoni mapping and yoni uh, massage and healing painful sex and her and you know what owner honor is about so honor is a pleasure and sensuality brand which is helping us to explore self-care and eroticism through um body connection um eleanor and her co-founder have developed these gorgeous gemstone um pleasure toys which are also at also act as um massage tools and tension relief tools so i have the um curve uh the moonstone i think and um i've been using this to help me with yoni mapping so if you want to know a bit more about that go back into go back to that episode um but yoni mapping is essentially creating a map of your um vagina and find kind of discovering where the tension points are the pain points are um and the pleasure points but of course for someone with painful um you know painful sex like me you might at that time have more pain and working out where those pain points are and then beginning to massage using your fingers or your toy to release the tension just like you would in a normal massage um so the curve is designed to be able to do that and it's it's curved it it suits the female shape um and they're very like smooth and gentle um you can heat them up or cool them down depending on what's going to be comfortable to you and what might soothe your pain levels um so yeah the curve is brilliant for internal massage to relief muscle tension and emotional blockages and I've found that from yoni mapping and through beginning to work with uh, releasing muscle tension I'm also kind of releasing some of the emotions that I've been having around sex and it's been quite uh, emotionally liberating but also quite painful and I think I'm very early on to this journey so I'm interested to see where it will go and um, I think I'm doing some really really important work that is not done enough actually in society especially by women um, or people you know with vaginas and I just feel that for a very long time in society we've pushed our pleasure down so we've tolerated pain when we didn't need to um, and we shouldn't have to so I'm so glad for the work that Eleanor is doing at Honor and um, Eleanor is offering you guys 10% off any of their gemstone toys and massage tools so the link is in the show notes you can head over and just use the code ENDO in all capitals so E-N-D-O and you'll get 10% discount. 
The shipping is discreet and they ship worldwide. And the packaging, by the way, is gorgeous. So um, let me know if you get one and if you try Yoni Mapping um, or Yoni Massage. Please let me know how you get on. I would love to hear. So this is going to be the first of hopefully many solo episodes. Um, You guys, I did a poll a while ago. And you guys said that you would be really down. I mean, it was kind of like crazy. I think 80% of you said you'd be down for some solo episodes. So here I am. Um, I'm really curious as to like why solo episodes were so like what you guys wanted out of the solo episodes, like in comparison to the interviews. So yeah, let me know on Instagram. That would be really interesting to know more about. So I've got my um, retainers in right now, Um, but we'll see how long that lasts. If I start struggling, if my mouth gets tired, um, you'll hear a change because I'll end up taking them out. I probably will. I've got um, nine hours of recording today, so (laughs) I'm not sure I'm going to be able to manage it. Um, How I wanted to start these solo episodes is with my personal journey of endometriosis. Um... I always kind of forget, I'm trying to talk about it more, but I forget to talk about it because in my head I'm like, oh, you guys have heard me talk about this before. But actually, I only really talked about it in the beginning when I first started my Instagram account, which was probably, gosh, three, four years ago now. Um, And it's on my website, but I mean, I don't know how many of you would go to my website and read my about, so, um, or like my diary section. Um, So, yeah, so I thought it would be a good idea to kind of go through my endo journey. This is kind of part one. Um, Next week's episode will be part two where I'm kind of talking about the healing that I went through. Um, And the reason why I wanted to do this is not because... um, I think you should know more about me Um, but because I think it would kind of give you some context to why I've done the things that I've done and when I talk about like the future episodes will make more sense when you hear about the way that I manage endometriosis um so yeah I think some context just helps so um yeah I let's get started so when I was um a teenager um it was a really late starter to my period I think I didn't start until I was like 15 or 16 um and I had really light periods um they lasted about four days which isn't abnormal um but they were light they weren't really they really they just weren't anything to even think about really um no pain um so and I just didn't want to think about them like I was very uncomfortable with the idea of becoming a woman um I had an eating disorder um and I just the whole the whole idea of puberty like made my skin crawl um and which is hilarious that I do what I do now and when I look back and think about that time I get why like I felt like that like if I if I put my head if I put my mind back to the place I was in there I was at them I get it um but of course I'm not I'm not like that anymore um 
So yeah, super light periods, no pain, four days long, really wasn't an issue. But what I did have, and I'd had for a very, very long time, was bloating. So from you know, from a very young age, um, I had a bloated stomach. So I can't really remember, but let's say around eight or nine, I started having this blo- this bloating. Like you can definitely see it in pictures. Um, but I'm really not a good judge of age. I can't really tell people's ages very well. So I can't tell how old I am in the pictures. Um, so much so that I actually had um, a family member tell me to hold my stomach in because it wasn't very ladylike. Um, and then once I was in school, uh, secondary school, um, I'm not sure when this started, but I started getting really, really tired. And I know by the point, by the time I was doing my A-levels, I'd have to come home and go to sleep um, after school for a couple of hours before I could start on my coursework. Um, I was on well a lot, um, and a lot of them were like mystery illnesses. Um, after my GCSEs, I was so exhausted that I um, was off for three weeks um so that must have been like my mock exams or something because am I remembering this rightly like your GCSEs like you finish school after you finish them right like that's it you're done like you end on the exams and you go back in summer to get your results but either way at some point whilst I was doing my GCSEs I got so exhausted that um I was off for three weeks and no one could tell me what it was they thought like they were like it's like you've got glandular fever but you're not coming up with those like results so it's just this mystery illness and a big part of that was fatigue um and people thought I was lying at school like even my best friend thought I was lying um and I was like yeah so I was on well or not and then another thing that I noticed I I didn't get it a lot but I got enough to be like oh that's that weird pain again is I would be walking and suddenly I'd take a step and I'd get this incredible shooting pain essentially up my vagina and into my like uterus and it caused me to double over and it was like completely took my breath away and I'd be frozen for a couple of seconds and then it would be gone and that was that like I just I just had that and I didn't, I don't know, I didn't really think, I don't know what I thought, I just, I guess I just got on with it. Um, so yeah, so that, that was that. And then, um, I haven't put this in my notes, I've got some notes, so I remember to say everything, but, um, I didn't put this, which is probably quite important. Um, when I was 17, I had a car accident and I broke my um, pelvis, uh, my left hip, my pubic groma, um, my uh, spine, like my lower spine, like where it meets the um, sacrum. And um, what was the other things? Oh, they're not that important, just my ribs and then some soft tissue damage. So that was obviously quite a lot of impact to my pelvis. So I started... Well, obviously, I started getting pain. I was in horrendous pain at that point. Um, and then as I started healing, um, I continued to get this pain in my lower back and pelvis. And I will never know if that was the recovery from my car accident 
or whether it was the endometriosis starting. I'm not sure. Um, still didn't have pain with periods by this point. Um, and then about, I don't know, sometime later, a year or two later, um, I had my first real relationship. Um, I'd had sex by that point, but, um, I hadn't, I didn't really want to have sex. So I wasn't really, it wasn't very like, it wasn't like heavily physical. Um, so it was very like modest sex and I didn't move around much and it wasn't very intense. So I don't, I didn't really, I don't recall experiencing any pain. Um, but then I was in my first real relationship and what's really interesting about this time is that, um, I probably started taking the pill then and we do know that the pill causes inflammation in the body. The relationship was abusive. Um, took me probably six months to realize that it was abusive, but I never really, I never really realized the gravity of it until I was kind of on the other side of that relationship, which took many, many years, but I had entered into a controlling relationship. Um, and then, um, I don't know which came first, but I started getting really awful pain during the sex, really excruciating pain, which I think we put down to my car accident. You know, I had broken my pubic bone. Um, the, the break in my spine was kind of like behind my uterus. So in our, I think in our heads it made logical sense. It was probably to do with the, um, the car accident. Um, and then I started getting really painful periods, like, oh God, awfully painful periods. And I still had no respect for my body by that point. Like, um, I was eating by this point, but I wasn't eating well. I wasn't eating the right foods. I didn't care what I put in my body. Um, and you know, I'd drink a lot at the weekends. Um, yeah, I just didn't care what I put in my body. I, I wasn't into drugs. I never took drugs, but, um, I really wasn't concerned about my body and so I took a load of cocodamol like the pain would be so awful that I could literally take like no cocod like well, any tablets you usually get two two like trays of tablets I'd go through like a whole tray in a night um and eventually I would kind of fall into this like cocodamol induced sleep or or sometimes not sleep at all. And then I'd have to go to work next day really like really high and equally on this come down from cocodamol because as many of you probably know, there is a come down from cocodamol. And um, for me, it was really bad sickness and um, awful migraine. So I, I refused to take that anymore. It really reacts badly with me. Um, I was also starting to get bladder pain and bladder pressure. And this feeling in my bladder like once or twice led me to feeling faint and I went to the hospital with that at one point and then I once got some prolonged bleeding I was still having light periods um I've never had heavy periods but one there was a time when I had um three weeks worth of bleeding and I never had that I was actually like oh is this a miscarriage I was really really confused um 
so eventually during this time I started going to doctor the doctors um I showed them pictures of my bloating because they didn't believe me because I'm a petite girl um and they were like wow like the only thing we can say is this is gas and I was like it's it's not gas like it's like it's something else like I can't like I don't know what it is but it's something else um and yeah I just I just kind of got shrugs and this time I wasn't really I wish I had but I didn't really pay attention to the way they dismissed me because I wasn't an advocate for endo at that point I didn't even know what it was so um I didn't I didn't observe the behavior of the doctors like I wish I had done but eventually um my boyfriend came with me and lo and behold when they heard his description of what I'd been going through they like looked incredibly serious and they were like, well, we'll refer you to a gynecologist. And I felt like such an idiot. I was having to say to my boyfriend, like, no, really, they, they've never listened to me. It's not that I wasn't trying hard enough. Of course, now I know that there is a bias, you know, doctors are more likely to believe men. Men don't have to work so hard to be believed. Um, then women, there is a gender pain gap. And even though he wasn't talking about his pain, his description of my pain was apparently more valid so anyway it worked I got my uh gyneco my gyne um appointment um I was sent for ultrasounds etc they didn't find anything um and I believe at this time that I was also being investigated for like the bladder pain um and at one of these appointments eventually um this has been going on for a couple of years by this point. Um, so I f I'm still a bit hazy on the time span, but I think it took about four to five years for me to get my diagnosis because the pain first started, I believe, when I was about 19. Um, and then I'm pretty sure my first surgery was when I was 24. So, yeah, so it's somewhere in that time frame. Um, and yeah, so I I was really frustrated. I remember the ultrasound then being like, there's nothing wrong with you. It's fine. Like you've got a couple of cysts. Everyone has cysts. Um, that's it. You know, bye. Um, and eventually someone, and it wasn't my gynecologist. I, I think it was like I had to go to like a small outpatients thing for my bladder. It was like follow up from when I ended up going to A&E for my bladder pain when I nearly fainted. I'm sure it was something to do with that. And the guy suggested endo. And my friend had been diagnosed with endometriosis a year or two before and um, didn't fully understand endo. But I remember the gravity of it for her being really, really intense. And what's also interesting, which you know, Aubrey's talked about in a previous episode is that she was also in a really abusive relationship. Like, I find that really interesting. Both of our endometriosis symptoms surfaced when we were in these abusive relationships. Anyway, so I text, um, I text and I said they think that I might have endo. And she sent me a list of, of symptoms. And I was like, oh, shit that's me. And I just knew it. It was like my, every cell in my body resonated with that list. And it was like, that's me, that's me. And I just, I just knew it on a body level. 
sometimes I I'm not very good at connecting to my intuition, but my intuition on that moment that moment was like spot on. It was like yeah, that that's me. So um, took a long time to get surgery. I think a year, and when I came round, I was really out of it, um, and I kind of remember a doctor coming in and saying you've got endo it's a small amount um probably won't come back and that's all I remember and um uh, this is probably something I should say as well because I think this is this is why I've gone down this healing path so much I was so disconnected from this part of my body I was so um uninterested in my body's health um, and I also had a very bro broken relationship with my mum, who I was living with at the time, um, that I didn't tell anyone, um, except for my boyfriend, because he was going to drive me, that I was having the surgery until the morning of. I told my mum, I was like, I'm going in for surgery today. It's not major. And she was fuming. Um, so we had a massive row. And then um, I'd cleaned, I was a really messy person, hugely messy. Um, I'd cleaned my room because I thought I can't, I can't walk in this room. Like I literally couldn't see my floor. And basically at this time, well, wow, I've missed a massive section. I was a deputy editor of a magazine. Um, my best friend and I um, launched a fashion magazine so I studied at the London College of Fashion and I was uh, went on to do styling and um, then met my friend who ran a photography studio and we eventually started up a magazine called Idol Magazine and so my life was chaos absolute chaos I worked every single day I would do all-nighters regularly working through the night um God, it was just literally there would be days where I didn't sleep because we just had like all of these interviews to do. It was just really, really crazy. And my business partner had a high energy and crazy amounts of resilience. And I really felt I had to keep up. So I pushed myself to extreme levels to try and keep up. And um so I never, I was never at home to, um, to sort my room out. It was literally like run in, chuck stuff down, run back out. So my room was kind of like this constant, um, I don't know, this constant like dressing room of different clothes with different shoots and, um, different sketches and printed like printouts of, different articles and magazines and collages and artwork and um yeah and and shoes like <laughs> I would wake up with like a high heel in my face it was like that like it was really it was really bad um and I remember feeling like my body was made out of lead when I'd wake up in the morning like I couldn't move I was so exhausted um and I couldn't work out why everyone else in my team was tired, but they weren't tired like I was. Like, I was broken, and I just thought I was weak. And um, depression had uh, missed so much, I don't know how. I'd been struggling with depression kind of ever since I could remember. Um, and now I look back, I can really see the correlation between the um, changes in my hormones when depression would be worse. Um, especially in the lead up towards my period. Um, 
I think I had a lot of hormonal imbalances going on that really affected my mental health. It got a lot worse when I started taking the pill, um, much worse. I'm not sure what pill I was on, but I distinctly remember a pill sending me like to the very edge. Um, and, uh, yeah, depression and anxiety was really, really prevalent during this time when, um, the endometriosis was kind of at its worst. I think that's the worst it had ever been. Like in that, in that four years towards diagnosis, that was when my endometriosis was the worst. Um, and that's also when like depression and anxiety were really, really bad. I'd been hospitalized a couple of times for anxiety. They put me on beta blockers. They gave me tranquilizers. Um, and yeah, I, I was a real mess. I really was. Um, I believed in what I was doing, but it was breaking me. It was really crippling me. And there was all of these, con- there was all of these things that were wrong with me that I just felt like I had to do better. I was just weak. I was just like, this is all it is. You're just weak. Yeah, that was really hard. Um, so, um, I left Idol magazine before the diagnosis. Um, and the reason being was because I couldn't keep up and, um, I had a lot of mental health issues going on, as I was saying, the the anxiety, the depression, um, the eating, the eating disorder I was eating, but it had kind of morphed into an obsession with exercise. So I'd eat, but then, um, I would have to like do excessive exercise, but then I never had any time because I was working. So I'd be like working and like on my, on my like bike for three hours whilst I was working on my phone. Like it it was just very unhealthy. So that had kind of morphed into quite a destructive pattern. And um, I was absolutely exhausted all the time in pain. Um, No, just bloated. That was affecting my self-esteem, like going to fashion week and stuff. So there was a lot going on. Um, An abusive relationship that I wasn't really aware how abusive it was. Um, Although looking back, God knows how I didn't. So yeah, there was a lot going on. Um, and I absolutely love my best friend. She's my complete soulmate. But at the time we were in very different places. And she said to me actually just the other day, now she looks back, she sees all of the warning signs, but she was at the time she said she was too young to really notice what was going on and everything was about idol and stuff. And she said, yeah, it makes total sense, but I see it now. But you know, I asked if we could slow down the pace a bit. By this time, we were like hurtling towards going to print. We were online at that time. And I was like, fuck, like going into print to my best friend, I think felt like, I don't know, like, I don't know what it felt like to her. I'd like to ask her actually, but I'm sure it probably felt like getting the keys to the castle. For me, it was like I was standing over like an abyss, like a deep, deep huge dark hole and I was about to plunge into it and I just thought like oh my god I I'm just not I I can't cope right now so how can I cope with going into print um so I stepped down as deputy editor and I um I was also the creative director so I kind of carried on with that for a little while and styling and eventually I pulled away altogether and it was really hard. Like I completely lost my sense of self and my identity. Um, and my best friend for a while, you know, we had to take a break. We 
were talking all day, every day. If we weren't, if I wasn't at her house, um, you know, sleeping in her bed, like, like helping, like cook for her son, like then I was talking to her all the time, email, text messages, ex- like, etc. Um, and it, it was like coming out of a breakup. Um, so that, that was really, really hard. Um, but anyway, so eventually I got my diagnosis, but I still didn't realize that the endometriosis was associated to, um, my bloating, my fatigue, my brain fog, my depression, my anxiety, um, feeling, just never feeling like my best. I would say that back then I was up to, I was like performing at like 30% of my capacity. Like that's how I felt. I felt like I was on red all the time. Like my battery was on red. No, but no one had told me that that was part of it. So I was like, right, I, I'm going to be fine now. I'm not going to have any pain. My boyfriend took me home. Oh yeah, rewind. So that morning, like I said, I'd done a massive clean out. I had loads of bin bags and um, I'd arranged for my boyfriend to pick me up early. And I was like, can we stop off at the um, dump so I can get rid of this stuff? Because basically I was like, I can't physically walk across this across this room. So how am I going to do it once I've had surgery? So um, he went mad at me about that. So that was another massive argument. Um, but we did it anyway, we went to the dump. And um, then he... I woke up in a lot of pain, a lot, a lot of pain. Um, And now I understand, like, I ate a very inflammatory diet. I didn't eat a lot, but I ate a lot of high sugar, high fat foods. And um, I was, you know, really inflamed. I was stressed as well, so that didn't help with the inflammation. So, um, yeah, I woke up in really extreme pain and I couldn't really get myself out of bed um, thank God I had a specialist bed for my back, which I had like a remote that would get me like up, like forward, if that makes sense. Like, um, so that was a massive help because I couldn't get myself out of bed on my own. Um, and my boyfriend had said that he was going to take a couple of days off to care for me and he didn't. So luckily my mum had taken time off just coincidentally so she was around to help me get out of bed. Um, so that was lucky. Um, and I just ate rubbish. I just ate rubbish as I recovered. Like, I remember texting my boyfriend and saying, can you get me like a pack of double chocolate chip muffins? Like, you know, the really, really big ones, like from Tesco. And it was a pack of like four or something. And I ate them all. And I'm like, oh my God, like, what food did I get? And it was probably, I was probably just eating toast and cakes like what food was I given my body to heal like we don't get we're not like plants we don't just get like nutrients from like sunlight and water like the reason why we eat is to stay alive and to help our body function and I just wasn't giving my body the function the the foods it needed to function and that is a hundred percent what was making me feel so much worse and what was making me feel like I was operating at 30 percent of my capacity so um my recovery was really slow and really painful But uh, anyway, afterwards, I rejected endo. I basically was like, just not going to think about it. He thinks it doesn't, it's not likely to come back. 
Um, I think by that point, my friend had told me that it can return, but I was like, if I just don't think about it, it's not going to come back. I had no follow-up. Um, so yeah, there was no checking in on me. Um, I continued to like reject my body, uh, at that point. Um, and I had no understanding of endometriosis because, because the doctors hadn't taken their time to explain to me what the condition really was. Um, I just didn't understand it. I didn't understand how it worked. I didn't understand how it affected our bodies. I didn't, and I had, I've always had a heap load of digestion issues. So I didn't even know it was related to that. You know, the bloating, bad stomach. I just had no idea. Um, even allergies, um, inflammatory skin conditions, like all of it could be linked back to my endometriosis, but I didn't know that. Just a reminder that today's show is sponsored by BU Period Patches. Um, you guys know why I love them, but I thought I would share with you another quote demonstrating just how much other people with endometriosis love them too. My gynae and GP have been pretty useless in terms of pain management strategies and the meds I've been prescribed aren't great either. I don't like taking the medication, so I only take my codeine when I'm on death's door, which thankfully I haven't been for quite a while. I came across the BU period strips on Insta and I can say they are an absolute godsend. Not only do they reduce my pain, they also relieve me of stress and anxiety as they completely relax my body. I don't think I'd be able to manage without them and they are completely natural. Just another example of how much these are changing the lives of people you guys know how strongly I feel about having options it's not just about going down the all natural route but if we can have some more natural options other than having to take codeine all the time I think that's brilliant I know that codeine makes me really sick and gives me three day three day long migraines and so I'm so thankful to have something that when my pain is bad I won't have any side effects from and is like this girl said is really relaxing and soothing um I don't see any harm in having more of these kind of products and I completely welcome them and I'm so thankful that people are doing this work so if you are interested in trying them for yourselves the link is in my show notes you can get um a pack of five for 6.99 um if you want to buy them as a one-off try them out or 4.99 if you go for a subscription option to shop um, yep, just head to the link in my show notes and start soothing period cramps in a natural way. And another reminder that today's show is also supported by Ona, the pleasure and sensuality company making beautiful gemstone toys and massage tools that help you with yoni mapping, yoni massage, self-care, self-pleasure and healing sexual pain. If you would like to try them out, the link is in my show notes and you can get 10% off with the discount code ENDO. So capital E, capital N, capital D, capital O. I don't know why I just didn't say all caps, but there you go. So I carried on like normal. And um, during this time, I had made changes significant changes to the way that I was living my life um I'd moved into the charity sector that was always kind of my two loves um basically working with people uh supporting people and um 
like fashion art creativity so kind of started out with idol and then that didn't work out so I was like okay let's let's give this um working with people go um so my life was very different I had gone for um quite significant therapy around my eating and I was in a really good place with that and I haven't reverted from that really ever since um I'd started understanding like foods to nourish my body um I was vegetarian again so I had been vegetarian not vegetarian like I was but my mum made me eat like um white meat occasionally so um I would have been fully but I had to every now and then like eat white meat to please my mum so um but when I was with the abusive boyfriend I went back to red meat um because he was a big meat eater and he I don't know it just happened that way so um I'd gone back to being vegetarian um and yeah I was really into health um I was exercising in a good way um I wasn't living at home so I was quite I was in a good place and in that sense um so yeah so I was in a good place for a while and then I noticed that my so my depression came back I started the pill again my depression came back um I also lost three very important um relationships in my life uh due to death and illness and things um so that all happened at the same time so that was very difficult and um yeah I started getting really exhausted I I mean the the tiredness never fully left me um but it was getting worse and then um yeah so then two years later I was in a new relationship with Chris um let's see who, who I'm with now and um out of the blue like within I don't know the first two weeks we were together or something um I suddenly got this pain and <laughs> so funny that I said this he was like are you okay like because I was like oh I must be coming on my period and he was like do you get bad periods and I was like no no not at all like I usually don't get any pain apparently I so I was that in denial about endo that I said this to him very weird um and the pain increased it wasn't terrible but it was bad and it continued in that fashion and I went to the doctor and the doctor said to me come back to me when it's excruciating I wish I didn't bloody listen to that because the referral process where I lived took forever so um in the meantime I was going back to taking um cocodamol I wasn't taking crazy amounts anymore um especially because I was in like a job where I had to be able to function and um it was so bad that like if it came uh, you know I wasn't tracking my period so if my period came whilst I was at work I'd have to lock myself into a spare room for a couple of hours and I was just crying um my friend would help me and, and it would always come on really at really bad times like at my old job, I ran an event that was a really big deal. And it always seemed to coincide with this event. It was crazy. Or when we were training volunteers, it was really bad. 
yeah, I've got some really, I remember very specific stories, like walking around um, East London, like trying to find the strongest painkillers I could, barely able to put one foot in front of the other, going into boots and all they've got is, you know, something that wasn't strong enough and uh, just, yeah, really, really desperate. Um, so kept going back to the doctors, eventually got my referral. During this time, uh, my godfather who had passed away, um, I received some money from him and it meant that I could afford to go to South Africa where he had lived, um, spend some time with his family and heal. I was in a really, really broken place by that point. And I was hoping that the surgery would come before I went away, but it took so long that it didn't. So, um, I spoke to my gynecologist and he said, it's not a problem, we can defer it until you get back. So I was like, okay, cool. Um, I'm just going to have to make it work whilst I'm away. Um, and I'm going to have to do some research. I think I'd started like loosely researching. Um, I definitely, yeah, no, I had. I really had started researching, but I hadn't implemented any changes yet. Also at this time, my depression was really, really bad, but I was back on the pill came off it just before we went away and it had started lifting um but it it really took a long time to fully lift I also had blood tests at this point to get tested for different allergies um because my digestive system was really messed up and again at this point I didn't know I didn't understand endometriosis so I didn't know that this was linked um I'd need to find the research but I'm pretty sure there's like a higher correlation between um, food intolerances and endometriosis and they're not 100% sure why yet. Um, and I'm not sure how big that study was or if there's several, but um, I read about it in Take Control of Your Endometriosis. So um, this makes sense to me. So anyway, I had some blood tests and I got the results whilst I was in Cape Town. And... Um, the results were that I was highly, highly intolerant to dairy, which made a lot of sense. Um, intolerant to wheat uh, or gluten, which makes a lot of sense. My, bro my brother and my sister both have celiac disease. Um, and I also had intolerances to other things like soy, but I was avoiding soy anyway because well, there are reports that it can worsen endo. Um, and a few different nuts, but it didn't tell me which ones. So wasn't helpful and I haven't I haven't taken them out of my diet that much um but yeah no that's another story so anyway I got these results through and it was what I needed to firstly go vegan because I wanted to do that anyway um and now I had to for my health um and secondly make these changes to an anti-inflammatory diet so I'm going to go more into the healing journey next week because there's so much to that. Um, but yeah, I began working on that. Um, the first month I did it, I experienced enormous relief. It was incredible. Um, but yeah, I will go into that in another, another episode. Um, but whilst I was there in Cape Town, I got a phone call number kept ringing and I was like I'm not going to answer it because it's from the UK and it's going to cost them loads and it's going to cost me loads but they kept ringing so I answered and it was a very angry receptionist saying where was I for my surgery 
And I was like, mm, my surgery was deferred. I'm in South Africa. I can't come. She was really, really rude and abrupt. And I could barely hear her. She wasn't interested in what I was talking about anyway. She could barely hear me. Um, and told me that she was taking me off the system completely. And I'd have to go back to my GP again to get a referral. She was in a really bad mood. And I was like, no, you don't understand. I was told that it would be referred. She wasn't interested. So in that moment, I was like, oh, fuck. Like, yes, I'm starting to manage this with, like, you know, alternative therapies and diet, etc. But I don't know what's going on inside me right now. Like, I felt like I still needed that surgery to to understand what was going on. So um, uh, I was, I had this moment of panic and then I don't know how long it took, but then I was like, no, I'm just you know what, I'm going to take this as an opportunity to really see what I can do to help my condition because the doctors aren't fucking helping and let's see what I can do. So I started doing crazy amounts of research um, and I started to discover all of these links to depression and anxiety and bloating and fatigue and brain fog and hormone imbalances and all of this stuff, you know, um, intolerances, inflammatory, other inflammatory like conditions. I was like, oh my God, like it was one thing after another. I couldn't believe it. And it was making me really, really mad that it wasn't easy to find these, um, find all of these symptoms um so I just became more and more passionate and I remember at this point we moved on to Nepal um in our traveling and I remember being in this bloody freezing house this Airbnb and discovering endometriosis UK and saying to my partner I'm gonna work for these guys I'm gonna work for them and I did I came back and I worked for them it took me about a year or something but I got to work for them in the end um so when I got back, um, I carried on management, managing my endometriosis. Um, and I was doing really, really well. But what I noticed is if whenever I didn't do like a hundred percent, the symptoms would be like my pain, my period pain would be excruciating. So all I had to do was mess up once. And um so for example, like I had to do well all month. And then one time I bought this, um, if you're in the UK, you'll know what I'm talking about, Rebel Kitchen chocolate coconut drinks. I didn't look at the ingredients. I didn't think they'd have any added sugar, but they have added date syrup. So I think per 100 mil or per carton maybe, it was like 13 grams of sugar, which for my body is a lot of sugar. Um, I mean, personally, I think that's a lot of sugar anyway, but for my body, that's a lot of sugar. And I was coming on my period that day and within like half an hour, I was unable to stand. It was so bad. I had to go home. Um, I can't even remember how I got home. I might've got an Uber. It was really, really bad. So I think like what I found is, the, you know, whenever I had like, whenever I like, I ate something by mistake that was a trigger or I um, just, I don't like saying the word slipped up because it sounds so regimented. But if I, I'm going to use that for 
you know, lack of a better word, but if I slipped up, I knew about it instantly with my symptoms. So it was a good, it was a good learning curve because what it meant is that I realized how well my body responds to diet and lifestyle changes. But, um, it also meant that to me, it said that this needs to be addressed, what's going on inside that, you know, just like a chocolate milk is going to make you like be on the floor. I was volunteering or working with Endometriosis UK, um, one of the two. And I said, I've got these two options. I could go back to the hospital I was trying to get to before, or I could go to this other one that's near me, which is registered as a specialist centre. They were like, go to a specialist centre. They do excision surgery. That's the best. So that's what I did. It took another year. Um, and in this time, I had a lot going on in my life, but I still was in a very, um, I still kept getting like these cycles of depression that would return, really deep cycles of depression. So I was managing the pain, but the fatigue, the anxiety, the depression, I wasn't managing. I wasn't really sure what the answer was to that. Um, I was always apprehensive of, is it going to work this month? Is it going to work this month? Or am I going to get pain? Like I never knew when the pain was going to return. Um, what's interesting now is that I'm pretty trustworthy that the pain won't come back. Um, but back then I, was, I wasn't, I was so scarred by it. You know, I was always living in constant fear. So I think that really took a toll on my mental health. My theory is, and I don't know how much, if there's any science behind this, is that you can manage your, you can manage your um, pain. Not everyone can, but say I can. I can manage my pain. But the fatigue and the brain fog kind of needs to, like, requires me to step up a level in my management because I can reduce the inflammation in my body, which reduces the pain. But the endometriosis still exists. So my body is still like, what the fuck's going on? There's this thing that shouldn't be here. And it's trying to, and it's constantly, constantly trying to fight this thing that can't be fought. So it's getting worn out. You know, it's getting worn out all the time. So that's kind of my theory as to why, even though I was managing it, it, it I, I wasn't feeling better on an energetic level. I went through this process and the doctors, because of the pain that I was describing when, you know, when I wasn't able to manage it and the other, the other symptoms, they were like, we think you got deep infiltrating endometriosis. We think it's got really bad, blah, blah. And I was like freaking out. Like this was making my depression so much worse. I was freaking out. Um, and they were like, we're going to do excision, which I was like, well, yeah, of course. Like you're a specialist. You're also private. Like you're known so cool like I'm in good hands um and for some god known I have no idea why this happened but I was down as the first person to have surgery that day so I hadn't drunk since midnight and hadn't eaten since I think six o'clock the night before I was the last person to go down they basically messed up and I was so dehydrated because I drink a lot they had to put me on like a dehydration drip and blah blah, blah. it was uh, it, it was a bit of a mess and um but I had done lots of um preparation 
with my body beforehand, lots of omega threes, uh, really up to my anti-inflammatory diet. So coming round, I was so much better. The energy, the pain, I had no pain really coming round. I was, I was fine. I don't recall any pain. I can't remember fully how I did this, but I remember thinking I'm going to be a bit more slack with my diet to see what happens, see how I'm recovering. So I, I kind of basically did all of the things that I had read about to help my body recover from surgery. There was no way I wasn't like eating McDonald's all the time, but I was like having my coffees at the weekend and, um, I'd have like sourdough toast at the weekend and I'd have some sugar at the weekend and stuff where before that would like cripple me. So I kind of wanted to see what would happen. Um, um, what I discovered is there was no change. So this, I went back and I went back and I called them and stuff and they were like, Oh, give it till six months. Like, you know, that's when you're like optimally healed. And, um, and I'd also read that and researched that as well. So I was like, okay, cool. And then I came back and I was like, look, there's no difference. Six months has gone. And I, I feel the same as I did before the surgery. And they said, Oh yeah, it's probably because, um, they lasered it off. So you've probably still got cells there. Uh, we suggest Zolidex and the coil and um, painkillers, uh, these really super strong painkillers um, that you have to take every day of your life for them to work. And they're going to make you really, really drowsy. Um, some people report struggling at work, but that's all we can offer you. And I was just like, fuck this. Like, and also they told me that I had a really minimal endo still. So I still had minimal endo. But um, for those of you who don't know, it doesn't matter what stage endometriosis you have. That has nothing to do with the amount of symptoms you're experiencing. So you could have minimal endometriosis and have every single symptom under the sun. Or you could have loads of endometriosis, can be deep infiltrating and you're not going to and you, you don't experience any symptoms and you're walking around and then maybe you discover um, you discover that you have endometriosis when perhaps it infiltrates an organ and it causes like disruption with that organ and then you experience symptoms or perhaps you are trying to get pregnant. Something triggers it and then you notice the symptoms. Um, but you can have like the worst type of endometriosis and have the worst type of symptoms as well. And you can have minimal endo and have no symptoms. There's there's no correlation there. So um, so I still had a minimal endo. So them leaving those cells in my body was really harmful for me because it meant that I I respond, my body responds to those endo cells so acutely. That doesn't matter if, if it's just a little bit. You need to excise it for it to work for me, basically. And they didn't do that. Um, so... I was like, right, well, back to managing endo, you know, even further. I'm really making this like an intense work in progress. And um, because no, I'm not, I'm not going to go on the menopause when I don't have like a lot of the time, you know, people are put on the induced menopause to slow down their endometriosis symptoms. There's debate as to whether that works or not. It works for some people, it, works for, it doesn't work for everyone. But I saw no reason for me to exchange my endometriosis symptoms for menopause symptoms and risk to my health 
um, when I had slow-grown endometriosis, all we were trying to do was reduce the symptoms, not the growth of the endo, because my endo is really slow-growing and small. Um, so it made no sense to me. I wasn't prepared to put the coil in, because I'd had such bad reactions to the pill um, with depression, every single pill combination that I had affected me. I was not willing to put my mental health at risk again. And I was said, you know, they said to me, oh, it's going to just be in your uterus. It's not going to go anywhere else. I'm sorry, my uterus is not made of steel. I, what guarantee can you give? that those hormones aren't going to be absorbed through my uterus wall. And if nutrients can get in to feed a baby, why can't hormones get out to my bloodstream? This is just my concern and my theory. I have since listened to um, hormone experts like Dr. Jolene Brighton, I think her name is, Britain, and um, Lisa Hendrickson-Jack from Fertility Friday. And I'm pretty sure... Both of them share the same opinion as I. At least I'm sure Dr. Jolene Brighton does, or Britain. Um, sorry if I'm saying your name wrong. Um, and I'm not sure if those are, like, if they get that theory from research, um, because she's obviously a doctor and Lisa is trained in lots of stuff to do with reproductive health. So um, that's just my personal theory, but I'm not alone in thinking that. And um, I just wasn't willing to put myself at risk. Like, literally, why would I put myself at suicidal risk? Um, and to be honest, they were really pressurizing me to do that every time I saw them. And I thought that was quite, kind of disgraceful when I'm saying hormones make me suicidal. I'm not willing to do that. And I, I'd had friends who basically had the coil put in and doctors had refused to take them out until they had trialed them for six months I'd had like numerous friends who had that experience and I was like well, what if I'm suicidal and they won't take it out that was like a really big fear of mine like fair enough I could give it a go but if it turns out badly and the doctors are refusing to take it out then what if I end my life during that six month period that was a really big fear of mine and I was already struggling with the fatigue and the brain fog. So I thought there's no way in hell that I'm going to take a painkiller every single day of my life. Um, yeah, I wasn't going to put myself through that. So that's where I got to. I was working for Endometriosis UK. I had been for quite a while by that point. So I really knew my stuff about endometriosis. I understood it. I understood all the ways it affected me. I understood the treatment options. And I just thought, you know, this isn't for me. I've had two surgeries both were laser. The endo came back within two years. The second time, it didn't make a difference. What has made a difference to me is managing my endometriosis holistically. When I do it properly, it really, really works. So I'm going to do it. And that's what I did. Um, and now I'm speaking to you now. Um, I started endo life. Hmm. Started playing around with endo life whilst I was in Cape Town. Primarily, it became just an Instagram blog where I, an Instagram blog, an Instagram account where I posted my recipes. And then when I got back, I started the blog. 
And um, and that came out of just pure frustration that there wasn't enough out there. There wasn't people talking about managing it in a different way. There wasn't enough people talking about all of the symptoms. Um, so, yeah, so I, I started it back then. Um, so that's kind of my story. I haven't had a surgery since then. That was 2015 or 2016. Um, and I'm going to go into this more in the healing episode, but um, the past 15 months, um, I've really been like in such a good place with my pain levels. I mean, most of the time I have zero pain even my periods, like I will, I will start bleeding and haven't even noticed I've started bleeding. Um, and prior to that, um, I was again in a really, really good place. Um, but I would still say like, so I had no pain during the month, but my pain was probably like at a four, three or four when my periods came. And now they're at like a zero to a one. So, um, yeah, so that's where I'm at now. And I will go into more detail about how I'm feeling now in this like healing episode, because I just think it's a good idea to kind of separate my medical treatment from the holistic lifestyle changes I've made, because otherwise it's going to get quite complicated but um, and long. But that's my story. And that's why I do what I do. Um, and yeah that's it (laughs) I don't know how to end these because it's a solo show I'm not saying goodbye to anyone but um I hope in some way that this serves you whether it helps you feel less alone or it helps you to understand why I do what I do and why I promote what I promote and I think it should help give some background and context to future episodes but um yeah so I hope it serves in some kind of way um and if you liked this podcast, please like share it on Instagram, share it with your friends. Um, let me know what you think about it in my Instagram. Like obviously I'll share this on Instagram. So just hop over to the comments and let me know what you thought because these are the first solo shows I've ever done. So it'd be really nice to hear what you guys have to say about them. So please do that. Um, or, you know, yeah, just put it on your stories and let me know. If you want to find out more about what I do or read more on endometriosis and living well with it, um, you can head to my Instagram page, which is this underscore endolife. Um, You can head to my website, which is www.thisendolife.com. And you can also get um, a free guide to managing endometriosis naturally on my website. Um, I've put the link in my show notes. It's a beginner's guide to getting started and all of the areas that I um, have worked on to help reduce my endometriosis symptoms and pain and live well with endometriosis. As always, if you like this show, please rate, review and or subscribe. It really, truly does help others to hear the podcast and hopefully will help them to live better with endometriosis. This episode was produced by The Pod Farm. Whether you're an established podcaster or just getting started, visit thepodfarm.com to see how they can help you go from an idea to a finished show that's ready to be heard by the world.